0: Have you ever asked yourself, "Am I a bad therapist?" Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist,
1: and I'm Catherine Escare, a clinical psychologist. And this is "Am I a Bad
0: Therapist?" Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear
1: experiences that made us ask, "Am I a bad therapist?" Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists.
0: This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. While well, we're certainly not promoting actual bad therapy, we are here to shine a light on the messy situations that therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
0: Merry Christmas, Allie. Merry Christmas, Catherine. And to our listeners, if you observe, this episode, if you're listening when it airs, is airing on Christmas Day. So we thought we would do something a little bit different this time.
1: We are off spending time with our loved ones, but we wanted to come
0: back and share episodes that we loved from the past. Yes. So take time to spend with your families, your loved ones, your friends. But if you do want something to listen to, I love this episode so much. We are revisiting Schrodinger's Kittens with Sonia, episode number 24, because this episode made me laugh so much. It is such a great story. Sonia tells it so well. So we really felt like this would be a fun one to revisit and listen to. If you have heard it and if you haven't, I mean, buckle up. This is an incredible story.
1: And just a reminder that none of our episodes or replays are substitutes for clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or therapy itself because we do not endorse bad therapy.
0: All right. Well, this is a revisit of episode number 24 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Sonia. We're so excited to have you on today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So before we get into your story, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, your practice? Tell us about yourself.
2: Well, thanks. Uh, so my name's Sonia. I'm an LCSW based in Portland, Oregon. I'm originally from the Bay Area, so I'm dual licensed in California and in Oregon. I spent the great bulk of my uh, career working in hospitals. Um, doing uh, for a while I did uh, inpatient psych and emergency medicine. And then I transitioned to pediatrics. I made sure to do it before I had children (laughs) Uh, because I did pediatric liver transplant. And so I was like, I'm not doing that one kids. Wow. I don't think I have the like mental fortitude. Um, so I did that for a long time. Then I had kids and my husband and I moved from San Francisco to Portland. And now I work in emergency medicine again. Uh, and I also do private practice, uh, which has been a really cool mixture of, of uh, work.
1: Sonia, I feel like I just want to talk with you off the podcast about your work in emergency medicine. That is, I'm in primary care and I am fascinated by clinicians in ED departments. So I love it. That aside, tell us (laughs) tell us about one of your, because I'm sure there's many, but one of your bad therapist moments. Okay.
2: So many. Uh, But my favorite one is so I was a brand new baby social worker, so I wasn't licensed yet. I just had my MSW. I was in my first year of practice and I was working at a large hospital system in the Bay Area. I don't know if I can say their name, so I just won't. I'm not sure, uh, but was. Uh, they have an inpatient psychiatric unit. So they have a voluntary side and an involuntary side. And the way that we practiced was uh, we would take a few cases from the involuntary side, a few cases from the voluntary side, just to sort of switch up, you know, the acuity and intensity of the work. Uh, so I got was assigned this just delightful little man. Uh, he was on the voluntary side. Somebody had seen him in the community and he wasn't acting like quite right. So somebody was like, Hey, will you come to the emergency department? And you know, he said, yes. Uh, he was one of those patients that I don't know if you guys, uh, that was just sort of like pleasantly manic, just like (laughs) really delightful, just like very concrete, uh, in, in like so concrete in a way that it's like, where's where there's something is true here i don't know what it mm-hmm. is but like mm-hmm. i also am fairly confident you're not a professor emeritus at stanford i just don't i don't think you are me, me, like me there's my husband's a data scientist and so i have this joke that like anytime something i say is like really unbelievable we say that there's a non-zero probability that that this is true, true. So, Like there's a non-zero probability mm-hmm. that he was uh i didn't think he was um but he was just really sweet uh, and. I don't know if a lot of people have uh, like a, a population that they're like, please don't, please. I can't work with this population. Like I love, I just, my counter transference is just too big. Um, and for me, that's elderly folks. I don't know what it is. I just elderly folks just really get me for whatever reason. So um, I'm already feeling really tender towards this guy, this guy. And so he's clearly decompensating. Um, you know, he's, he has an apartment uh he lives independently. He doesn't have much family. He's, you know, how, when somebody is, is manic there, there are oftentimes a lot of strings of truth within their delusions. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it can be really frustrating and upsetting when people are like, I don't believe exactly what you're saying. Obviously we don't say that to him, but, but sort of challenging these, uh, these truths that are causing him to decompensate in the community. He's going to lose his housing. He's forgetting to pay rent. I mean, it's all of the things that are happening, right? Uh, Because of these delusions that are getting increasingly bad. He has a history of bipolar disorder, um, which we found out later from, I think I got records from somewhere else. He had been hospitalized inpatient before. Um, He was voluntary on our unit. So basically everything inside of me was like, I have to figure out ethically, like how to keep this fella here so that we can get him treatments that he doesn't lose his apartment Mm -hmm. um, and become houseless, right? Um, because he's vulnerable, he was uh, in his like mid sixties, uh, and so a lot of my work was just sort of like rapport building with him and getting to know him. And as with you know the, the wonderful, pleasantly manic people, like it was just me listening to his story because he needed to be he needed medication, and so no amount of therapy was going to convince him otherwise that he was mm-hmm. not decompensating. Um, so I just visited with him a lot. Uh, sometimes it was like multiple times throughout the day because he. Just needed something, and and I had the ability to do that, which was nice to have that sort of flexibility. So it's maybe a weekend, and I'm just so fond of this guy. uh And like, probably not managing my countertransference very well. Uh, it happens. It happens. Right? We all have yeah. we all
0: have those soft spots. We all have those
2: soft spots. I know. So just old people are my thing. I just I, I grew up with a grandmother. You know, she lived in my house my whole life. So like elderly Mm. folks, especially when they're, they live alone. I'm like, Mm -hmm. don't take him home with you, Sonia. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) You can't, you can't do it. So, um, he had been there for like a couple of days maybe. And he's like, I have to go. He just gets this itch. He's like, I'm leaving. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're still so sick. You need you like please stay. You know, I'm trying to talk to him through saying he's got all of these random things. Like, I got a class to teach and, you know, I have to do this. And I'm like, yeah, like, can I write you a work letter? Like I will do anything. Right. Um, cause this problem solving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to problem solve with him to get him to, to be able to comfortably stay here. And so he goes, well, I have kittens at home. And I was like, excuse me, what did you just say to me? Oh no. He's like, I've got three kittens at my apartment. And I was like, oh gosh. Okay. So, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm a new social worker and I'm like, I can solve any problem. I can do this, I can figure it out. Um,
1: like, Sonia, how yeah. long has he been in inpatient now when he's finally telling you about these kittens
2: like a couple of days okay so So it's already been a couple of days these small kittens have been alone and i'm like oh no now like there's animals and old people and it's just like so many feelings (laughs) i don't know what to do with myself so i go back to my office and i was like what am i gonna do about these goddamn kittens like, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I was like, I can't, this guy, like, he's not holdable. He does not meet criteria for any, any sort of holds. You know, I try to be really super intentional about, you know, how we do holds, um, and like not violating people's, you know, autonomy, but also like keeping them safe. And it's such a fine line. It's really difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to sort of make that call or like be a part of making that call, whether we hold, you know, hold somebody. Um, So I was like, I just don't think he meets criteria. He has housing. He's got some amount of insight. He can meet his, you know, basic needs. He can eat, he can, just, you know, shower, all that stuff. So it's like, I can't, I can't hold him here. And so I get this idea and I was like, there are some like animal organizations that will like take people's pets when they're in the hospital. Ah. Um, it's a really super cool service. Uh, It doesn't exist in all cities, but it does exist in a lot of like larger cities. So I was like, okay, I'm going to call I think it was, like, so this, we were, I was working in Palo Alto at the time, and he lived in East Palo Alto, um, which, if you're familiar with, like, Palo Alto in general, like, it's, like, the sort of, uh, the line between, like, impoverished area, really challenging, like, food deserts, all the things, is just, like, Right over a bridge. I mean, it's ridiculous. Then you get into Palo Alto. And so, uh, you know, he lives in an an area that's not super safe, but, you know, it's his space. And so I was like, there's got to be something in Palo Alto. These people are super rich. I just know there's something, right? So I call around. And so finally, I get an organization. They're like, yeah, we would love to, to take these kittens while this person, and you know, I get his permission, of course. I was like, if I can find somebody to take care of the kittens, is that okay? Like not really. And then I'm not thinking through the like actual logistics of how I'm going to do this. And so at one point I call my boss and I was like, Hey, so I want to do this thing, but I don't know if I'm supposed to. yeah And he's like, is it legal? And I was like, I think so. (laughs) I mean, I've got permission. And he's like, I don't want to know what it is. If you think it's not if you think it's legal, just like, don't tell me, which like in retrospect, he probably should not have done. Mm -hmm.
1: Like, I, you are pre licensed at this point, baby trainee, and they're saying your supervisor and your boss is saying, I don't know, just do what you think
2: is legal. Yeah, oh like, I trust your judgment. I'm like, don't trust my judgment. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. my judgment. I'm 24 years old. I just got out of grad school. Um, I'm not trustworthy. I don't even I even sometimes know how I'm doing this work. Like, who's allowing me to do this? I trust
1: your judgment. Please don't. That's oh, don't God, I mean, my that judgment. Me.
2: No, like I, I do group supervision and like I trust my CSWA's judgment and I, I, somebody, I wonder if they'll ever listen to this. I don't know. I didn't tell them I was doing it. Like I trust their judgment to an extent, but like, they're also like under my license. So like, if they screw up really badly, it comes back to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but like, if one of them came to me and was like, Hey, I want to do something, but like, I'm not sure if it's legal. I would never be like, I trust your judgment. That's fine. I'd be like, you t- get to my office now, tell me everything you want to <laughs> do and I will yes. say yes or no. Yes. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll guide you through it and be like, Mm -hmm. Hey, do you think that that's right? The right thing decision? So, um, I was like, great. And you know, (laughs) I'm an only child. So basically I'm like, I'm like, don't have very many boundaries growing up. I was like, (laughs) yeah, this checks out. Um, so I'm like, great. I've got permission Um, so I don't tell anybody I'm doing this. I'm working with like a very seasoned social worker who had been working in patient psych for many years. It is just utterly delightful. I like didn't even tell her. I was like, maybe it's better if people don't know, which should have been a red flag for me. But like at this point, my boundaries are so poor with this small old man. And he like, wears this blazer with like elbow patches. Like he's just so sweet. So, um, i you know, I, Call an organization. They're like, yeah, we totally do that. You know, hospital patients just write like a letter on letterhead, uh, and and we will we will go and get the animals. And so at this point, I'm like, how am I going to get into this man's apartment to get these animals? Do I pick the animals up? Do they pick the animals up? I can't let him leave the hospital get the animals. So like, it's starting to crumble my plan oh, because I'm like, what do I do? So like I sit and I think, and I'm like, okay. So I go to talk to him. I'm like, hey, sir, I have somebody that's going to take care of your kittens. They'll give them back to you once you're done. And he goes, okay, here, just take my house keys. And I was like, okay. Normal, normal. This is a great idea, stranger. uh, And your mental health provider who... Is not trustworthy enough because they're making this decision. So I'm like, great, thanks for the keys. So I call the organization. I was like, hey, I had thankfully enough wherewithal to know like I should not go into his house. Um, that was like the one boundary boundary that I held. Um, and so uh, I called the organization. I was like, hey, so I can't go in his house, but I can give you his keys, and you can go get the kittens. And there, it was like a young guy and he's like, whatever. Okay. (laughs) And so like, I just wasn't like, not only is this like a boundaries issue, but this is also like a legal issue. Like, what if he went in there and stole all of his stuff? Like, what if he didn't lock the door and he got broken into? Like, there's just so many things that like I needed to think through and I just didn't because I was too fond of this patient.
1: I would say also because you also didn't have a supervisor to actually
2: help you think through these. This is why consultation is so important. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, if one of my CSWAs came to me and told me this story, I'd be like, tell me about what, tell me about the opposite side of this. What do you think could go wrong? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. teaching you and like helping you think critically without telling you, like, no, Mm -hmm. this is not a good idea. Um, And, like, yeah. So I, I just, I had a, I had a super, and he wasn't my clinical supervisor. He was my boss. So at the time I had a fantastic clinical supervisor and I probably should have called her. I don't know if I did. I don't remember. This is 10 years ago. So I don't know if I did and she didn't answer or I just called my boss. I don't remember. Um, but I have a feeling that she probably would have been like, no, that's not a good idea. Here's like why, you know, um, So I'm, you know, I got his keys and I'm driving to meet a stranger in an IKEA parking lot in East Palo Alto to hand off a patient's keys to another stranger. And I'm like driving and I'm thinking, and I was like, Sonia, this man has bipolar disorder. He is actively delusional, he's manic. He thinks he's a professor at Stanford. What if these kittens don't even exist? (laughs) What if they don't exist? What if the kids are real? What if they're a part of the delusion? And you did like days of work and you got all of these people involved and you're feeding into this man's delusion and what if they're not real? Oh my gosh. This feels like
0: a really great place to pause. For an ad break. Since you're here, we're going to assume that you already like learning from other people and if you want to take that a little bit deeper and a little further, you should join us on the network. The Therapist Network is actually where Allie and I met
1: and formed this podcast, if you can believe it, several years ago. It is where we have our unfiltered, unhinged at times conversations about what being a therapist is like and the unique aspects that come up in our work.
0: Yes. And we value the bad therapist community so much. It is such an incredible part of this podcast. And it just reminds me of the invaluable community that is the therapist network. And it's just a gift that keeps on giving and you really should come join us on the therapist network.
1: Thank you, Allie, for the shout out. That was a very nice endorsement. I think we can offer everyone listening a 30% off discount for your first subscription to The Therapist Network. So if you're a mental health clinician, use code BADTHERAPIST to join us at thetherapist.network and we hope to connect with you inside. Hey, listeners, it's Catherine here. And I'm coming to you today because Allie's not the best at bragging on herself. And I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs.care. Allie's creative intervention library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Ali's website, cccs.care and sign up for free today. And now let's circle back to the show whoa so here you are here you are <laughs> one having such a soft spot for this client right. wanting the best for him and wanting the best for these kittens so you are going through hoops and over building bridges and making connections and not seeking supervision but doing it well and you are going for these kittens you are you are saving these kittens and on your way to drop off your patient's house keys. <laughs> to a rescue organization, you finally, it dawns on you, this could be a delusion.
2: This could be a delusion.
1: What happens next?
2: I just, I'm so committed at this point that I'm like, I'm halfway there physically Mm -hmm. and like just emotionally at this point. You know, I'm like, I've committed to this story. Like I'm like, nearly just as delusional as my patient at this point. (laughs) I need to have an evaluation afterwards um, and maybe just like rethink my career if I'm going to keep acting like this. Um, And so I go and I meet him, I meet this, this young man in, uh, in, in the Ikea parking lot. And I'm like, here's his keys. There should be three kittens there. And he's like, okay, like, what do I do after? And I was like, Just like pick them up and take them to your organization and keep his keys. He's like, you want me to keep his house keys? And I was like, I don't have a better plan. I didn't think this through. I'm 24 and I don't know what I'm doing. And so I was like, just like keep them in like the kit, like just, just keep the keys. Cause like, how am I going to meet back? Am I going to meet back with him? Am I going to get the keys back? I don't know what to do. And so he's like, okay, cool. So he goes to his apartment. So I give him the keys and I'm like, I did, did you, I did what I did.
1: Did you tell this young man from the rescue organization that the kittens might not be real? Absolutely not. Okay.
2: <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm just like, why well, complicate like, things even more, you know? And expl- having to
1: explain everything, which would break HIPAA, actually.
2: Yeah. I feel like I get it
0: though. Like, I feel like I can see how you got there because, again, it's like you're having the soft spot for this patient, but then the kittens, I feel like that just triggers some sort of it like broke. that nurturing, yes. like, I can't let these kittens die. I would think right. the same thing. I would not be able to stand myself if something happened to the kittens. And you're just oh, like rolling it with it. So yeah. I 100% see why mm-hmm. their existence did not
2: cross your mind until you were almost there. Because I feel like I would have <laughs> done you. the same thing. <laughs> That's super helpful. Thank you. That's really normalizing. Because I, as I tell this story more, I'm like, really rethinking just I'm like, what did what else did I do that year? That was you're just so like, ra-
0: yeah, you're so wrapped up in it. Like, it makes yeah. sense looking back, like, oh my gosh, how did I not see this? But when you're in that moment of just like making the calls, trying to get things done, like, I get it. Hindsight always makes us feel like we made the worst choices, but mm-hmm. when you're in it,
2: it, you don't think of it. And I was like fresh out of grad school. So like Mm -hmm. I, you know, when you like just get out of grad school, especially and I don't know if this is, you know, obviously I got my MSW. So I don't know if this is the same with folks that have other um, sort of mental health degrees, but like, there's so much emphasis on like, just like you feel like this, like renegade that like you can like help people and you could do anything and like you've got all this energy and like the there's just a world of possibilities. You're just very idealistic. Mm-hmm, That's the yeah. word. Like the 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 weight and like the world of like mental health and like the system and just seeing like, you know, injustices just like has not come crashing down on you yet. And like just seeing like profound suffering has not really like it just hasn't worn on you to be like, oh, I should think about things more. Mm-hmm. Um you're just like, yeah. I, do I think,
1: I think your story also highlights for me, the shift, like, when we go into grad school, our scripts for how to help people come from our friends and family, like we are used to helping our friends and family, we're not used to helping people in a professional fashion. So when it's we go to grad school, it. and when we graduate, we go into a helping profession some of us still using those scripts of how to help friends and family. And we have to relearn how to help people professionally with these boundaries that probably wouldn't exist if your mother was in the hospital and she had three kittens at home, right? Right. So I think it's a really natural thing. And I think a lot of, you know, uh, what is it, early career professionals or those of us in graduate school are still in supervision can relate to, you can't help your clients the same way or to the same extent that you would help friends or family. And having those two different scripts in your life, Allie, I'm looking at you, <laughs> how to help friends mm-hmm. and family and then how to help clients is very different. And it it, it is an adjustment period. Um, which I, it sounds like this was a, this might've been a turning point for you to recognize that difference.
2: That's such a good point. I've never thought about it like that, that like we have been like, we want to go into helping profession because there's something innate in us mm-hmm. that like we want to help, but we've been helping people that are our friends and family. That's such a, that's just such a great point. And then it's so funny because then now we think about it and now as therapists, we're like, no, now I'm going to help my clients. And it's not even appropriate for me to do like Mm -hmm. these sorts of interventions with my friends and family now, because I'm a trained Mm -hmm. professional. And now I know that that's not a good idea. It's just, gosh, it's just, it's such a like, switch the way we have to sort of switch our brains on and off and like who we are versus like you know, sort of what's appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just, it's really fascinating. That's such a great point. I
1: just, so yeah, I can I like see that. it. You are going into this. This is normal. I would totally do this for any of my friends and family. So why wouldn't I do it for a client? I see that slippery slope. I can absolutely, and slippery. I can, I have so many stories from my early career that I can absolutely relate to with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank
0: you. That's really yeah. helpful to hear. So you, <laughs> so we're at the point where you have handed off the keys. We still don't know if the kittens exist. <laughs>
1: dying to know if the kittens exist do they
0: exist what happened next so they exist all oh, the three kids of exist. Them, thank
2: god these kittens exist <laughs> they are alive oh, they're god. not they i mean because that was another thing i was like am i sending this this young person in and there's just oh. gonna be like dead kittens all over oh the my place gosh. Like, what's happening what is what am I doing? What am I like, What am I doing to everybody? And so, yes, thank goodness they exist. Um, he picks them up. The uh, the or he ended up this this particular client ended up staying for a really long time. He ended up staying for weeks. He was just so like he sort of hit that point where like the meds started working and he started realizing like oh, I've been I've been sick for a long time. And then he really decompensated. So they were those the organization is actually they would call me every day they're really mad at me they're like is he out of the hospital yet I'm like no they're like is there anybody else that can take these kittens and I was like no call me back later like I felt so but they're like we usually don't keep animals this long and I was like just like me you're fully committed here yeah (laughs) we've all made choices we've all made choices here um but it did, it worked. And, and so when I was able to go and say, hey, your kittens are safe, he stayed. He was like, okay, that's all. I, I just really wanted to make sure that my kittens were safe. They're really important to me. And I was like, okay, right. So this like, it made sort of the fear of like all of the things that like could have gone wrong very easily feel better because this, this patient who so desperately yeah. needed mental health support in a controlled environment uh, was willing to stay voluntarily. So he didn't have to violate his autonomy if he did decompensate further, which he ended up, he, he did ended up being placed on the involuntary side later because he just decompensated so much that he was really disorganized. Um, and it took him a really long time to get back to his baseline. Um, I think he was off medication for a really long time. Uh, so I'm I'm glad he stayed because, you know, had, had I not had zero boundaries and not like been like, okay, go take care of your kittens. He, he likely would have ended up, you know, houseless um, also with kittens, Um, you know, not with his meds, you know, no income, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so yes, thank goodness they existed. And yes, he did stay and he got treatment. Yeah. I can't help but think, like, I wonder if there are some, like,
0: wild stories from work podcast where the guy who picked up the kittens is like, one time at work, I
2: had this lady call me. (laughs) Right, yeah. And, like, I don't know, like, his apartment was probably in shambles, right? Like, just...
1: We need oh, to follow up with the rescue volunteer. Yeah. We need to make sure he's okay. Like they this probably is probably the don't. story
2: he tells. <laughs> it probably is. They probably don't even do this anymore because they're like, this girl left these kittens here for like weeks. And I think it was, I think he was there for like six, like six weeks or something. Wow. I mean, he was impatient for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably ruined it for everybody else. But, <laughs> but my he
1: did. little
2: professor stayed.
1: And he, was he a professor? No, was that- he was not. No. That was a delusion. Okay. That was a and- delusion, yeah he did end up picking up the kittens when he was discharged, I would assume. Yeah. So like everyone was reunited. This I mean, was his keys ending. were there,
2: so he had yeah, to. <laughs> his yeah, key, his keys were there. He had to get inside of his house. Um, so he went and he picked up his kittens and his keys and I never saw him again. So i have to assume he kept taking his medication wow. and, and stayed better, I hope. So Everybody, yeah, turned out fine. But like this, also, like I'm saying this, like assuming my CSWAs are going to listen. This is also not a reason to do this. <laughs> like just because it worked out well does not mean that like it, it, like there that like a hundred other things could have gone wrong. Um, there were probably other ways I could have done this in like a more controlled way. Where I, and I don't know, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah the way I did it, just kind of like on my own, not really telling anybody or having any accountability was like, certainly not the way to go about it. Um, even like just like a, it's like a hospital liability, like hospital legal would have probably been like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Also you're on probation. (laughs) Even if you're thinking this, even you can't, you can't even think like that. Stop it. So yeah. Well, I feel like you kind of answered the question that we always
0: ask, but we're going to say it anyways. But so we always ask our guests, like if someone found themselves in this situation, a clinician, new or seasoned, regardless, what would you say to them? Again, it sounds like you gave us a bit, but anything else you would add of like, what should they do if they find themselves in something like this?
2: Totally. I mean, I think that there's always room and space for us to be super creative to help people. Um, There, I I mean, there have certainly been times over the years, you know, where I've done things where I'm like, okay, like maybe this is sort of crossing a boundary, but I, I check in with my, you know, my clinical supervisor and I let them know, like, why am I doing this? You know, I think it's so important to ask ourselves, like, what. What am I doing this for the betterment of the client or is it making me feel better? Right. Mm-hmm. So like making sure you really ask yourself that question is I think in a helping profession, it can get, especially when, you know, things get really hard, um, you know, asking yourself, like, am I trying to make myself feel better? And like, like make, like kind of like make myself feel like I'm doing these things because this work is so hard and so visceral that like, I want to feel good. Or am I doing this because it really is the best thing for the patient or the client? Um, And so, yeah, if somebody found themselves in a similar situation, I think I would probably just say like, Hey, like let's tease out all the things that like could go wrong and let's try and find a way to do this. That is, that that's really more protective for you and your license and for this patient, right? Mm Like, like we want to protect, like there's a lot that's out of our control here and we can only do what we can do. Um, So let's tease this out a little bit better and figure out a way to do it with within like a more controlled way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you definitely should not have had to do this on your own. Mm -hmm. Getting that consultation and supervision, even if you still with consultation and supervision chose to do the same thing, you at least wouldn't have been in it alone. Right.
2: Yes, that that's so much of it, and I do have to own part of it. That I think um, that that was certainly a part of it. It's it's still a part of my personality. I just have more insight now because I'm 35 and I've been doing this for 10 years. Um, But I think I do think part of it was me just being like, I'm gonna do this because that's Mm -hmm. what I want to do and I think it's right. Like when I called my boss, he should not have been like, "Don't tell me the details. I trust your judgment," and I could have like. Asked even like one of my like colleagues, but I was mm-hmm. like, if somebody tells me no, I don't want to hear it. So I got a yes from my boss and I'm not going to tell anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think yeah. it was a conscious, like, if I'm looking back and really trying to be insightful, it was a conscious, like, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going I'm to do it anyways. I, it was a failure of
1: your boss uh, fully like you did go and and your the right. response you got was sure go ahead but i don't want to be in it with you and so mm-hmm. of course you're gonna proceed without telling anyone because yeah, i response. got one
2: yes that's all i need yeah can yeah
1: you probably shouldn't tell people about this
2: right? right yeah exactly and like that's so not like that's just I mean, anytime any of my like supervisees are having like a really difficult, like I've like, they've brought me emails and they're like, can you read this email over? They've, you know, we're, we're in it together because mm-hmm. that's what they need, right? Mm-hmm. They need somebody to help guide them and help say like, Hey, you know, I, I hear like, you want to do this for X reason. And I think that that's really amazing. And this, this is about, this is a boundary that you're, that you maybe need to tow a little bit like closer. Right. Um, because the way that we build boundaries and the way that we build our confidence and our ability to sort of problem solve is so dependent on the supervision that we get. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky that, you know, of course after the situation that I had some really amazing supervisors that like, I still in my mind quote today that I'm like, okay, like Ah. what would they say? You know, what would Beth have said to me? You know, had I brought this to her? I, she wasn't my supervisor at the time, but she was one of my favorite supervisors. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just in a way that's like really reflective and supportive and not like shaming, you know, new Mm -hmm. clinicians for wanting to be bright and, and renegade-esque and and do all of these things, not dampening that light, but also saying like, hey, at the end of the day, like you, there, there is an element of having to protect yourself, Mm -hmm. um, because you want to keep practicing and you can't keep practicing if you get your license suspended, right? for inappropriate <laughs> behavior. Like somebody has to teach you how to think like that because you're not at least I wasn't like right out of grad school. I was just thinking like I'm going to do all the things. Mm-hmm. Um and it's fine. Um uh, but that's not always the best way to think. So yeah.
0: Well, this is a message I feel like again, we're talking about kittens and all of this, but I feel like it, it like- does apply. <laughs> To be so applicable and we're so grateful for you sharing this story um but if people want to connect with you outside of the podcast where can they find you
2: uh so my I have a website it says oh my gosh soniapdx.com. oh my gosh I hope you guys can edit this what's my website we'll link it in the show notes (laughs) I just I just started it was pdx Sonia that's what it is. It's pdxsonia.com. I just made my own website because I've always worked for a hospital. So I never had to have like anything. Yeah. Um, but when I started doing private practice, uh, I was like, Oh, I have to have a website. It's pdxsonia.com. Perfect. We will
1: absolutely link that for Thanks. anyone interested in getting in touch with Sonia.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Perfect. This well, again, great. thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. It was so fun.
1: And that's it. The OG bad therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for this week.
0: Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We love the bad therapist community so much and want to continue normalizing real therapist experience. You can help us by leaving a five-star review or sharing this episode with a friend or colleague.
1: Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story.
0: Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect.
1: And if you've experienced an actual bad therapist, contact your state health department or head over to stopbadtherapy.com for more information.
0: And if you've liked this episode, we've got
1: plenty more. Yeah, over 50 therapist stories ready for you to binge if you can't wait for our newest episode next Monday.